Welcome to New Destiny Christian Center's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor David Verdecchio. If you'd like to find more information about our ministry, please visit us online at www.NewDestinyChristianCenter.com. Activation, right? Activation is the process of making active. The process of making active. And so uh, we've seen some tremendous things already that are starting to happen. In fact, when we were just in worship and the Spirit of God was moving and, and Pastor Teresa was pulling some people out, I really felt like the Lord was saying, what's happening right now in, in many people's lives, if you're a person that desires to be activated uh, or is called to be activated and God's, God's trying to do something in you, then then there are some things happening in your life right now that, that may feel a little topsy-turvy. Because what activation does is it causes things to stir because we're trying to get someplace where we're not. It, it, it's, it's God wants to develop some gifts, you know. So, but what happens is activation, the Holy Spirit begins to go and He begins to move and He begins to, to stir some things up so He can get us to the place that he needs us to be, okay? So we looked at several different things. We looked first uh, for A, we looked at aspiration, right? We talked about how there, there has to be some aspiration. So when I say those of you who want to be activated, you have to have some aspiration to do and to be further than you are. Okay, you have to, you have to look to be something in, in the... The generation that we're in right now in the current time frame with, with all the social media stuff and, and Twitter and all that stuff, you know, these twits put on there that, uh, uh, you know, everything is condensed down to however many characters you're going to have in Twitter. Everything's condensed down to these however many characters you can have. And what's happened is, is we've condensed revelation to short little tweets. We've, 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 caused everything to be there and they're, they're good things I'm not there's many things that you can get on social media you, you look at you can look in one day just just go down and spend 10 minutes I don't want to tell you to do that but if you spend 10 minutes you're gonna get at least three or four things that are actually really good you, you will if you have the right follow if you're following the right twits the problem is if you don't do them they're just tweets from twits and so, if you have some aspiration, it, it means you want to do something that's more. You, you have a desire to grow, to, to do more, to be used more. Right? So God wants us to be more than a, a nice saying. He wants us, you know, it's kind of like we have the, the wall out there, right? We're to restore, to rebuild, and to release Right? It's a great saying. God gave that to us as, as what we're called to do as NDCC. But if we never do it, all it is is a nice saying on the wall. Right? God wants us to begin to step into that at a new level, to begin to release, to begin to do these different things. And so that's why sometimes you're feeling a little bit uneasy right now. Okay? Because when God gave that word to us for NDCC for this year, the idea was not to have a nice word that we can put on a little, a little sticky thing, but it was to actually begin to do what the word says. All right? So you got to have some aspiration. Commissioned. 
Right? Commission was important. We have to understand commission. Why? Because if you try to step out and go beyond your sphere of influence, you become a target of the enemy. And he's a good shot. I know. I got scars. Okay? You, you want to make sure that your commission, that there's a level of authority that's been released to you so that you can go out and still be undercover, and that's for safety's sake. Timing is important, that we stay within the timing of God. You know, we, we tend to think of, at least myself, when I think of timing, I think, you know, I have to wait for the timing of God. But sometimes when, when we pray and, and ask God about timing, it's not waiting for the time of God, it's doing it when the time is. Because if we're not careful, we're so busy praying, God, is this what you want me to do, that we miss the timing. And it goes right on by us. Initiative. Right? If you're going to be activated, you have to have some initiative. It requires you doing something. Somewhere in Christianity, we got this idea that, well, if God's God, he'll do it. And I don't see that in the Bible. I see a lot of people that, you know, God says, okay, I'm God, I'm going to do it. Now, Moses, get out there and lift your arms up so I can win the battle. It does require some initiative on our part. It requires us being willing to do our parts. It requires us. Every great revival that's ever taken place is because someone, a man or woman, stood up and did what God told them to do. It never just happens on its own. Vision? Where there is no vision, the people perish. There has to be vision. Vision is one of the most important things. If you don't have a vision, if all you have is just some kind of a vague desire, then there's nothing to push you forward. Vision should be something that pulls you forward. It's, it's, it's a line from heaven, and, and it's almost as if the Holy Spirit's on the end of that line, drawing you and drawing you and pulling you in. That's what vision does. So you have to make sure you have the vision. Action. Right? Every week I feel like I hit action. I hit it here. I hit it in the school. I hit it in, I, I don't know where I don't hit it anymore. Action, 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 action. You've got to do something. Activation is an action. Do something that you've never done before, right? People with Pastor Teresa's book being out are starting to contact her and saying, I'm, I'm praying more than I ever have. That's awesome. You're doing something to activate, and it's an action that you have to do, all right? A treasure. There's treasures that God has, and when you get into activation, he releases the treasure that's deep down on the inside of you. He's after the gold. He's after the diamonds. He's after the stuff that are inside of you that he put there, but that have been buried over over time, that have been covered up by tragedy and hurts and pains and the, all the residue of life and the things that are there. But the Holy Spirit wants to go inside and pull that treasure out. And remember, treasure is buried deep. If it's easy to get to, it's not worth much. The good stuff is buried down deep, but he knows how to get in there and, and get to that treasure. Because you're supposed to be a treasure to people. There's things that, that he wants to release in you that are going to help other people. Today's word is innovation. Innovation. Okay? Innovation. So innovation is the act of introducing something new. That's what innovation is. The act, I can't get away from the word act, can I? Even Webster. The act of introducing something new. So why is innovation important? Man likes traditions. 
right? I don't, I don't mind tradition. Some traditions are okay. How many of you enjoy Christmas? You know that it really has not much to do with the gospel. It really has to do with just traditions. Right? It's okay. I like Christmas. I like putting up a Christmas tree. Right? I, I enjoy it. I like giving gifts. I like watching Lisa open the way too many gifts that I get for her every Christmas. <laughs> fully knowing that she hates me watching her opening the gifts that I get for her every Christmas, right? I love Thanksgiving. I love sitting around the table, my favorite holiday of the year, right? You can, you can sit. I, love, I do the turkey every year. I cook it. I get that thing, and I carve that thing up. I enjoy it. I like the time that we spend together, family and friends and these kind of things. Tradition's not all bad, but tradition can become so overwhelming that it, it displaces the things of God. Right? That's why so many uh, uh, churches, they start out with revival and they end up with the traditions of men and they become religious because they're busier carrying out the traditions of the past than they are living out the word of the future. All right. All right? Does that make sense? There, there's comfort in tradition. I can't tell you, and it's not all religious, I can't tell you how many people that I talk to that, that they'll say, well, Pastor, I, I like the way we used to do it. Right? Like, like when we were in the Northeast. The Northeast was a different territory than, than it is down here. It was a rougher neighborhood and stuff. And so when we were there, you know, for one, we, we would, you know, we would, if you could produce steam on a mirror, you were worthy to be used. Right, because you're 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 you got just a few people. You're trying to, you're trying to pull people in. You're trying to do as much as you can. You're trying to get things done. You're pioneering. It's a different mindset. All right, so you would use different people. And when we were there, we're big. Have you ever noticed that we're pretty big on starting on time? Right. Have Have you been here that we started a service late? Right. Most of you know. If you've been to the Northeast, you probably have. You know, because it was a different time. And so what we would do, what we would do when we were there is, is we would start service on time, every single service, and we'd have service and we'd be going, and nobody was there. <laughs> there was nobody there. We were all there. Our praise and worship team was there, and me and her and our family, and that was it. Right? And about 15 minutes, 20 minutes, you know, go by, and, and they'd start to come in. They'd start to wander in, and about half hour late, we'd just start over again, all right, because we wanted to make sure they got praise and worship. It was something that was important. We were willing to, to do what it takes to, to get in there and reach people. See, it takes innovation to be able to get in and, and believe God. But uh, traditions, the way it's always been done, we've had people, you know, I like the way it used to be. Everybody that comes in church, if they've been to another church, there's something about their old church that they miss. And that's, that's not a bad thing. Well, sometimes it's a bad thing. Right? But there's that, that idea there that we're, we're you, what we are used to is comfortable for us. Right? It, what we're used to, we like. And so when you start talking about innovation, it's doing something that's different. It's doing something that we're not used to and what that usually does is it, it jars something on the inside of us and makes us feel a little more uncomfortable. Right? Innov being innovative is the ability to make people feel uncomfortable. Uh, 
right, I better read some scripture. I think I got you a little bit on my side here, right? When Jesus came, what upset them is he didn't do things the way they were done. See, the religious crowd didn't like Jesus because he did things different than what they thought you were supposed to do. He messed them all up. Mark 15. I think I got this wrong on the... uh, Anyway, Mark 15. I don't even know it's Mark 15. Now, it might be Mark 2. I'm going to say Mark 2. It says, now it happened, verse 15, now it happened as he was dining in Levi's house that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many, and they followed him. So what did Jesus do? Here he is. He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God, right? But as far as they're concerned at this point, he's just somebody that's doing stuff they're not used to. So he's sitting in Levi's house, and he's got a whole bunch of sinners that are with him, okay? And a whole bunch of sinners that are following him. And it says, and when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, so you had the crowd that likes the way that they're doing it, saw Jesus gathering a bunch of people that they didn't approve of. Are you following me? Yeah. Right? So he's sitting there with tax collectors and sinners, and they said to his disciples, notice they said it to the disciples, not to Jesus. They said to his disciples, how is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners. They're saying, this isn't right. Right? It's the Facebook trolls of the day. Right? They've they got to put on there, you know, they, they, they're sitting 2,000 miles away somewhere telling you what you should be doing. Let me, let me tell you what you're doing wrong. Right? This is kind of what's going on at this point. They, they come and they say to his followers, to his disciples, he's not doing it right. What's he doing? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He told them, you guys got it all wrong. You're, you're having church with a bunch of church people. Right? So when we talk about innovation, this is one thing we have to understand. I, I love... When, like the other night, we were singing some of the old gospel songs. It was great, wasn't it? Those that were here, was it Wednesday night? That was Sunday. Time flies. It was Sunday. And, 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 it, was just, and it was great, you know what I mean? And I liked it because there are songs that I knew. They were old ones that, that, that kind of have touched me over the years. And, and it does something to the soul, and it's great. But if we're not careful, we can like that feeling so much that we just get a bunch of people that only know those songs. We need some people to come in and just stare at the words not knowing anything. I don't know what they're singing, but they're sure enjoying themselves. It's a good... That's, Right? When I got saved, I wasn't, I, wa- I wasn't raised in Christianity. I wasn't raised in, in church. I didn't, I didn't have that foundation and that background. Right? And so when I came into church, I, I, I literally would stand there and they'd all be doing what they're doing. So whatever they did, I did. You know, It's kind of like you know, when we go to a Catholic funeral. You, know, you kneel, you sit, you stand, you kneel, you sit. What are they doing? I don't know. Just uh, calisthenics, I guess. Because I, I wasn't raised that way. I, just, I don't know what they're doing. 
So Jesus said, I didn't come for, for the Christians, right? That doesn't mean that once you become a Christian, he doesn't care about you. But what he was saying is, we have to have a mindset and an understanding. The purpose that he came for is he's looking for sick people, not just physically sick, mentally sick, emotionally sick, relationally sick, financially sick. Whatever area there is in our lives, he's looking for the broken. Why? Because the reason he came is to help put them back together. And when we join with his purpose, when we're looking how to, put to, to help put people back together, we're joining with him and we allow God to move. So we never want to get stuck into the, let's just have the familiar, all the people that we love get together. Okay? Over the years, we've, we've seen people and known people that have told us, I like the church better when it was small. Well, it's not that I like it better big or like it better small, but I like the idea bigger because we're reaching more people. Okay. Innovation looks at things from a different angle. Innovation looks at things from a different angle. When I was uh, an estimator... I would literally sit all day and read blueprints. That's what my job was. Read blueprints and do math. Okay, so I would take blueprints that maybe are, we used to, we used to do it by weight sometimes, you know, a, a 40 pound set of blueprints. And they'd be the big paper and you, you, I'd flip through them all day long. And I would look at them and I would, so you know what a, you know what a floor plan is? Right? It's the, the layout of the building. So if you look at this layout of this building, if you cut this building at about three foot and draw the lines where everything you see, that's what that would be. That'd be a floor plan. But if all you do is look at a building from that one angle, you miss the details. You don't have the ability to see the building. And so when I'd be going through those things, what I was doing is I would look for different aspects of what I was estimating, what I was looking for. Is there a cut this way, a cut this way, a cut this way? You know, all the different things that you're looking for, uh, 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 pictures and all that, so that you can get an idea, so you can wrap your arms around what you're trying to build. Okay? So when you talk about innovation, if you're not careful, you tend to look at things just like this. And you get used to seeing this. And this is what you're used to. And this is what it looks like. And every day you look at this. But innovation causes you to turn it. And turn it. And turn it. And look at it from different angles. So that you can get a full picture and bring change where it needs to be brought. Okay? Every great invention that we've had. I was telling someone the other day. I think it was in the 1920s that they, they were talking about getting rid of the patent office, right? You know what the patent office is in Washington? It's if you invent something, you get a patent on it so nobody can steal your idea. Well, they were, they were literally talking about doing away with the patent office. And the reason is, is they believed at that time that everything that could be invented was already invented. I mean, think about that. They really thought everything that could be, we've gone as far as you can go. It was like 1920s, right? Everybody that's invented something, it's because they looked at something from a different angle. 
right? You had Steve Jobs, what a, what a terrible life he lived, but he had Steve Jobs that was willing to look at a stack of albums and say, you know what, I can make it to where you can put that in your pocket. And everyone said, can't be done. But he did it. He saw something that nobody else could see, right? Innovation looks at things from a different angle. It sees things differently. It believes things. Now, we're dealing with innovation in a spiritual sense. In order to do that, you have to go from the purpose of the Great Commission, Mark 16, 15 through 18. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So when you're looking at innovation, you can never get away from what the word says. Okay, It has to stay in the bounds of the gospel. I was a little, not nervous, but apprehension of preaching this today because some people, when they hear innovation, they blow their lives up and they go outside of the, the lines. Right? You never go outside of the lines. So the question is, what can we do as NDCC? If we're going to activate in 2022, if we're going to activate at a new level, what can we do within the bounds of the gospel to fulfill what Jesus said in Mark chapter number 15, 16. What can we do to make sure that we stay within those bounds and yet find new ways to reach people? Does that make sense? Now, the Bible clearly lays out the boundaries. Don't cross the boundaries. Okay? You, you can't say, well, we're going to get more people. We're just going to make sin acceptable right well then you've you've left mark 16 you're not preaching the gospel anymore you're preaching another gospel and the bible says it's not going to go well for you or them okay you can't you can't begin to adjust what you believe just because you want to reach more people okay we can't become you can't preach a watered-down gospel. When you're talking to people, you know, when they say to you, well, you know, you can't say I was born a man, but I feel like a woman, so therefore. Amen. All right? you, you, you can't water that, and then if you're talking to them, you can't say, well, if that's the way you feel, it's okay. That's a watered-down gospel. Okay, God made you, didn't make a mistake with you. Okay, he created you. He, he didn't make a mistake. All right? You, well, you know, it's just. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna get. So you can't preach a watered down. Yeah, you can't sin to win souls. I gotta say this one. To, I gotta say this one to you. Don't put yourself in compromising positions to win souls. Don't put your. Well, pastor, if I'm gonna reach drug addicts, I just need to do a little bit of weed every now and then, just, just so that I can relate. No. No, no weed. If you want to smoke weed, go pick something in the backpack here. No, don't do that either. But, <laughs> right? You, you can't sin in order to do it. 
Right? You can't say, well, you know, the sinners are at the club on Saturday night, so I'm just going to go get my moves on. Because that's where they're at. Don't worry, if I do that, they ain't coming to me anyway. But it, it, I think I left my moves back in 1982. Okay? But you don't want to put yourself in a position and say, well, I'm trying to reach them and I want them to relate to me. Jesus didn't do that. He, he was with sinners, but he was in control of the situation. Okay? He was in control of the situation. He was a strong leader. So you can't, you can't, you got to stay in bounds, but still preach the gospel. Does that make sense? Okay, so when we talk about innovation, all innovation must run through the Bible. Amen. It has to run through the Bible. Okay. Mark chapter number 2, verse number 18. The disciples of John and the Pharisees were fasting. Then they came and said to him, Why do the disciples of John and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. Okay. So... The disciples of John and the Pharisees are fasting. But Jesus' disciples aren't fasting. And they come and say, why are we suffering and your guys aren't? And he said, well, you don't fast while the bridegroom's with you. Okay? It was part of the tradition of the way they did things. There was a fast, but it was when the bridegroom wasn't there. Okay? He said, right now is not the time. But, he said, it's coming. All right, are you, are you following the story? But the day will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. And then they will fast in those days. And then he goes into something that's powerful. He says, no one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth in an old garment. Or else the new piece pulls away from the old and the tear is made worse. So you got a hole in your elbow, right? You know, back when I grew up, when kids got a hole in the elbow or in the knees. Right? See, I got a few people to know, right? You had to sew a patch on there. You know, I didn't come from a family that was patchless. If I had a nickname back then, it would have been patches. Right? You put, and then if you got creative, you know, and, and you'd get an, a, a little eagle's patch and, and put it down there, you know, or something that you put down there. You know, today we just buy them all new clothes. But anyway, and so it says, he's saying when you've got a, a hole, you can't, you got to put a patch on there that matches the, the material. Because what happens is that the new patch will shrink. And it'll pull on it, and it'll cause the hole to be worse than it is, right? He, so he's given us an illustration. He's given us an illustration here. And then he goes on in verse number 22, and he says, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine bursts the wineskin, and the wine is spilled, and the wineskin is ruined. The new wine must be put into new wineskins. So... The prayer is, Father, now I've been born again for over 35 years. Father, 
make sure I'm stay new wineskin. Don't let me dry out. Don't let me dry out. Why? Because he's constantly putting new wine. He's wanting to pour new wine, new methods, new things that they do, new, right? New wine. And if you put new wine in an old wineskin, it gets all crusty and nasty and it blows up and makes a mess. Right? And so God, make me a new wineskin. How do you stay new? How do you stay fresh? How do you stay pliable? Right? When you take a piece of leather, if you don't treat the piece of leather right, it dries out. Now, you can treat it the right way. How do you treat it? You rub oil in it. You rub oil in it. You keep it moist by keeping and pouring the oil on and then rubbing it in. Pour it, and then you wait a little while and start and you put more oil on it. How do you stay fresh and new? It's the oil of the Holy Spirit. It's letting the Holy Spirit come and refresh you and keep you new. You, you don't allow yourself to be burdened down by the traditions, but you keep yourself pliable. You pray, Father, in Jesus' name I pray when new things happen. One of my prayers has been, I, I grew up, uh, I got saved in a group that started during the Jesus People movement. Right? I didn't get saved till, till 85, but 85, 86. I got saved in 86. And um, when I got saved, the group that I was a part of, though, they came from the Jesus People movement, late 60s and through the 70s. And so I was very exposed to people that were fresh, that was very different. The thing about the Jesus People movement is they, they, they shook Christianity as we knew it in America at the time because they were willing to do things that were different. They were willing to accept things that that other churches wouldn't accept, right? It sounds kind of funny now, but you know, men with long hair, they wouldn't let them go to church. Literally, they'd tell them, you can't come into church. You got long hair, go get that haircut, and then you can come into church, right? Yeah, you had to wear a suit, a tie. A what? Oh yeah, yeah, back then they'd come in barefoot and no shirt, that's true. Some of them bring their animals. It's true. They'd sit on the floor with their dog. I knew a guy that's the way he got saved. He brought, he brought his dog, sat down in the front row, and they let him do it because his soul was worth more than their tradition. Okay? And so today, many of the older preachers, older than me, they, they are the ones that moved the gospel in America for a great period of time, and it was powerful what God was doing, but it was because they, they kept their wineskin fresh and new. And so my prayer is always, God, don't let me stiffen up. Let me be pliable that I don't miss the next move of God. Let me always have eyes of the Spirit that see what you're doing. Let it go through the works of the Bible. Let it stay within those realms. But Father, if it's a fresh move, let my traditions and my desires and my likes be pushed aside for what you're doing. Because God's pouring his spirit out and he's moving and it's going to feel a little different. The music's going to be a little different. Personally, I like the music the way we have it right now. But it can change. Okay, I'm going to get you all messed up if I go there. Innovation doesn't need to be new to the world. It just needs to be new to you. Sometimes we hear a word like innovation, we think... Well, we got we to gotta do something that nobody's ever done. 
Well, that's innovation, and that's great. If you're one of those that are doing that, praise the Lord, that's great. But innovation doesn't have to be new to the world. It just has to be new to you. You want to change your life? Do something new for you. If you've never prayed in tongues, then you say, you know what? These bunch of tongue-talking crazy people got something I don't have. I'm going to figure out what they have, and I'm going to start doing it. Do something different than you've never done. Met a lady one time. She'd been born again for 40 years and had never witnessed to one person in her life. Faithful Christian, faithful to the church, never one time witnessed to anyone, told them Jesus died on the cross for you. We were in a class and it was about witnessing. She stood up and she gave a testimony and said, this week I witnessed to somebody. She did something different. Something that she had never done before. See, if you want to be innovative, begin to do something you've never done. If you want to see change, you've got to be innovative within your own life and within your own sphere. You gotta, you gotta, you know, if if you're a chronically 10-minute late person, become a chronically five-minute early person. I'm going to hit on nerves, I start hitting that. Become a person of prayer. You know, prayer is one of those things that says, great, lots of people put up on on Twitter, they they tweet all the time. Prayer changes things. The only problem is most of the tweets don't, most of the people that put it don't pray. So if you want to be different, go ahead and put the tweet, but pray. It'll revolutionize your life. Become a person of prayer. Become somebody who's faithful to the house of God. And I say that, and I'm, most people here, you are, you're very faithful. But be faithful to the house of God. Amen. Some of you do you good. If during praise and worship, uh-huh. 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 In, instead, of, instead of watching yes. praise and worship, if you've yes. moseyed out into the aisle, yes. and come up here where the anointing is, and lift your hands and worship, it revolutionize your life. Absolutely revolutionize your life. And I'm not saying that at all to be critical. My personality hates raising my hands. That is not me. When I got saved, the idea of raising my hands, you know, I was one of these. Elena can relate. She first came into the church. She, she, didn't, she didn't, didn't grow up that way. And my daughter, not this one, Hannah, was, was doing the words on the, you know, back then you actually had an overhead thing, you put the words on there, and she's putting the words on there, Hannah had her hands up, and Lena's going. Right, that's, that's the way I was when I got saved, I thought, raise your hands, raise your hands for, right? Now I just, I just do it, I'm still uncomfortable a lot of times, I'll get in certain situations, and I'm like, I just, I just know that I have to do it, so I go, here I am, Lord. Maybe it's a target for the Holy Spirit to hit you. I don't know what it is. I've heard all kinds of explanations. It's surrendering before God. Well, that sounds good. I'll go with that one. All right? But you just do something you've never done. Be innovative in your life. Step out. Try something that's different. Allow God to do something he's never done. Right? If you're a person that just can't get into the Word, well, at least... Get, a, get an app and listen to it once a day. 
Just, just do something to get it in you. Because if you'll allow yourself to be innovative in your own life, the Holy Spirit will begin to work and show you how to be innovative for other people. Innovation must be spirit-led. That's where innovation comes from. Innovation doesn't come from your thoughts. Innovation isn't because you're smart. Now, I have nothing against being smart. But innovation doesn't come from there in the things of God. Innovation comes from a spirit-led life. Okay, think about the formation of the church in the book of Acts. Right? You had Peter, James, John. Right? You had the, the different you know, people that were there. Thomas, the doubter. Poor Thomas, when we get to heaven. If you call him Downing Thomas, he might slap you even though you're in heaven. <laughs> Don't call me a doubter. But he, he had these people that were there. Jesus had spent his time with them. Then the Holy Spirit came. And they begin to figure out what needed to be done by just allowing themselves to do and see. And do and see. It was the formation of the church. I love the book of Acts. Not because I'm looking for how I'm supposed to do it, but I'm looking for how they did it. What they were willing to try. Some things they tried weren't right. They would do something and it wouldn't work right and they'd go back and shift. Okay, they, but they were willing to be out there and willing to do something. If you're going to be innovative in your life, you've got to be willing and open to trying something. So there's three things very quickly, and then I've got three more, but we'll see. <laughs> there's three things if you're going to be innovative. The first thing is you have, to, you have to have an openness about you. When it comes to the things of God, you've got to be willing to say, I've never done that. I see it in the Word. I'm willing to be open and try it. I'm going to have an openness. See, when, you're, when, you're, when your mind is closed to things, I was raised, you don't have women preachers. Well, you're going to miss a whole gift. Right? When you were raised, whatever it may be, praying in tongues is of the devil. You're not going to be comfortable here for one. Right? But there's not an openness to, well, does the Bible really say that it's of the devil? All right, we had one guy, he loved us. When we first came into the area, we were preaching. This is even before we were in the Northeast. We, we came, we're doing great, and this guy's like, you guys, he used to send me messages all the time. God brought you here. This is powerful. God's moving. And then he heard, because he never came, he heard that somebody got slain in the Holy Spirit. You know, we prayed for him and they fell down. And he went from, God called you to here to, you're a devil. He wouldn't even talk about what happened. It's just, well, I wasn't raised that way. So there has to be an openness if you're going to have uh, innovation moving in your life. The next thing is, you have to be willing to hear what the Spirit says. You actually, it's an, that's an active thing that you have to do, to hear the Holy Spirit. It's kind of other people, not me. But I know that there are husbands out there that when their wife talks, all they hear is wah, 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 wah. And then she says, what'd you say? Huh? I've never done that, have I? No. <laughs> there has to be a willingness to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. 
There has to be an openness that says, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't raised like this, or this doesn't fit my personality, or I'm, I don't understand all this stuff, but I'm willing to look in the Word. I'm willing to listen. Right now, like I said, if it's not in the Word, right, then, then, it, then you shut it off. Close it down. Done. Okay, I'm not talking to you, because if, if you don't go by the Word, you'll get into all kinds of weird stuff. Okay, you got to go by the word, but you got to have an openness that's willing to listen. But then if you're going to be innovative, you have to be open, you have to be willing to listen, but then you have to be willing to act. And when everything says no, you're willing to make it happen anyway. All great innovations happen that way. If it's not hard to do, everybody would do it. Right, so in your life, if there are things in your life that are difficult, you have to be willing to look for the change, look for what the Holy Spirit is saying, but then step out and begin to do it. You're going to meet opposition. It's going to be difficult. Things are going to, you know, I tell people all the time, if you were raised not to pray in tongues and you start praying in tongues, you are going to, your head is going to spin for a while. But if you're willing to accept what God's doing and stay in there, you'll see the power of God begin to move in that area in your life. All right? So we have many examples. I got four minutes. You got many examples. The Old Testament, right? We sang about it the other night. I couldn't help putting this one down. You know, in, in Ezekiel, God needed an army, and God brought them to a field of bones. Why? Because he said, can these bones live? See, even in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would lead and they would follow and God would begin to ask him questions and he would do things that were out of sorts. When you follow God, he's going he's gonna to do things that, that, that they're, they're a little different, they're out of sorts. He purposely makes things different and exciting and fun. You know, Jesus is walking around and he finds a blind guy. And when he finds the blind guy, now in times past he would say, see, and they would see. I don't think he said it that way, but right? He would he would speak to them, and he, but this time he says, "Let's have some fun." I could just almost picture Jesus. So what does he do? He spits in the dirt. He gets a good amount of spit. Gets a good and wet. Gets his fingers in there. Works it real good, and puts it in his eyes. And then he tells the guy, "Go wash." You just took a blind guy, you stuffed mud in his eyes, spit mud, and you told him to go and wash. See, even in the area of healing, sometimes everyone says, well, it, it never happened that way in the Bible. I think he was showing us that if you're just willing to have faith and step out, there's many different ways to do it. Now, I've, I've never, I guess if he told me to, I would. Right, But it, it's just, it's that, that idea. Jesus would do things all the time. Think of the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul's up preaching one day. He's preaching. People are getting healed. The power of God's moving. And you know what they did? They took his t-shirt from him when he was done. And they cut it up into pieces. And they took the pieces to people who weren't there that were sick. And they laid the piece of his shirt. Now, Paul was a, he was a Jewish guy, 
and I imagine he was uh, rambunctious. So that shirt probably was rambunctious. And they cut it up, and they put the shirt on, you know, the pieces on people, and they got healed. Jesus never did that. See, being led by the Spirit will make you innovative. It'll cause you to begin to do things, being willing to, to step out, to be different, to try something that's new. Okay, God wants us, if we're going to step into activation, we have to be willing to be innovative. That's why we're throwing a tent up on the front lawn. You say, I know, but that's old-fashioned. They did that in the 50s. That's true. But I've never done it. So let's throw it up there and be innovative. I'll bet you most of the people in this neighborhood that drive down Sprawl Road have never been to a tent meeting. So let's throw up a tent, turn the volume up good. Right? We got it. We, these, this system won't work for out there. It's not loud enough. We're going to crank that baby up. We've got to get some more equipment. Turn it up. Blast praise and worship into the area for one night. Believe God to touch souls and draw them in. There's an innovative process that God's trying to do. Doing something that's different that we've never done before. So that God can do what he hasn't done yet. Amen? Amen. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody looking around. I know this wasn't one that makes you just jump and shout and get excited, but there's something about when you allow God to be innovative. When you start stepping out in an area and doing what you've never done before. But maybe you're here today and you're not saved. You've never given your life to Jesus. Or maybe you're backslidden in your heart. You once walked with him, but somewhere along the line you walked away. The beauty of the gospel is this. It does not matter what you've done, all that matters is what you do right now. That if you will accept him, repent of your sins, and accept him as Lord of your life, the Bible says he washes you white as snow. He's not going to sit there and interrogate you about everything you've ever done. When you accept Jesus, he washes your past. And allows you to walk into a future that's completely different. You're here and you're not saved. You're not right with God for whatever reason. But today you want to get your heart right. You'd signify it with an uplifted hand. Is there anyone at all? Unsaved. Backslidden. But today you want to get your heart right. And maybe you're here today and God's dealing with you about being willing to go where you've not been willing to go in the past. That God's dealing with you maybe in the area of prayer, maybe in the area of attendance, maybe in the area of tithing, maybe in the area of relationships, maybe in circle groups, whatever area it is, but you know that there's a tug of the Holy Spirit that you've been fighting against it. You've been standing saying, not me, I can't do that, I don't like it, I'm uncomfortable, whatever the case may be. But the Holy Spirit's dealing with you today about allowing him to go someplace that you've always kept him out of. We're going to stand to our feet and we're going to worship God. And when we do, these altars are open. You can come. We'll pray and we'll believe God to help you through that process in Jesus' name. Let's stand. Amen. Let's just worship God.
Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor David Verdecchio of New Destiny Christian Center. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, please visit us online at www.newdestinychristiancenter.com.